0: Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church, real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. This, this summer, we are uh, reading through the New Testament together. Uh, we started at the beginning of June. Uh, if you've been reading along with us, you know that we got to about the middle of uh, John, uh, at this point, if you have not been reading along with us, it is certainly uh, not too late. We're going to finish up the Gospels over the next uh, few days, uh, finish up the book of John. And then we get into the life of the early church um, and uh, an amazing book on uh, just our perspective of God in, in the letter to the Roman church. So those, that's all just coming in the next couple of weeks. So not too late at all. Uh, you can find out more on our website. Um, or grab a bookmark in the back um, and uh, begin to follow along that way. And if you do sign up to the website and join us on YouVersion, people are making comments on the reading plan there. We we are, as a church, like writing an amazing devotional in the comments on this thing, Uh, so uh, you can can check that out. Uh, And we said at the beginning of the summer that uh, for the most part this summer, we do have a guest speaker coming later in uh, the summer that you will uh, definitely want to tune in for. Uh, so I don't think they're preaching uh, in our same schedule, but the rest of the summer, we uh, promised you that we are going to be preaching on Sunday from what we just read that week. So we, we read it together, and then we come and, and we, we talk some more about it, dig into it a little deeper. We are on week four. And I am already breaking my own rules. So, see, we, we did Matthew the first week, and the second week, this guy preached on Mark, and then I, I covered Luke last week, so I was like, all right, this week is John. Fabulous. I uh, found a chapter in John I'm really excited to, to preach on, and I am looking forward to this. It, it's going to be great. And then uh, after I chose it, when we went to talk about it as, as a staff and dig into it a little bit deeper, uh, it was pointed out to me that this is actually tomorrow's. Passage. So, I know some of you are crushed at my lack of integrity in doing this, but we're going to do it anyway because um, I, I have the microphone, I suppose, and I can do that. So uh, we, uh, we are going to spend the next couple of weeks uh, in passages that we will read this coming week uh, talking about uh, why Jesus created us this movement we call Church his, his plans and purposes and desires for us and and why in a world where frankly institutions matter less and less and are, are less and less valuable as we we lift up the the rights and the abilities of the and the platforms of the individual, why does this movement still called church still exist and why is it something that we should still lean into, because it is, and, and not because uh, I say so or because it's good for me in some way, but, but because it is something that Jesus has put in place, and his desire is that it is good for us to do together uh, and good for the world around us, for us to do it. So uh, we are going to be in John chapter 17 today, and when we drop into the story of Jesus's life here— Uh, because we're just dropping into the middle of John's gospel. And when we we drop in here, Jesus has been traveling and teaching and healing for about three years, and he knows he's going to die soon. And so he's trying to tell his disciples, his closest followers, that he's going to die soon and he's going to be with them forever. I'm gonna die soon and I'll be with you forever. And they are, understandably, Very confused because uh, dying and with forever don't go together very well in anybody's brain, Uh, and so John, who was there for for this, he was one of Jesus's closest followers, and is writing his account of Jesus's life. He collects a bunch of these teachings where Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to die, but I'm going to be with you forever. And he talks about this spirit thing that's coming, and going to be with them, and all that's very confusing to them. And, and so John kind of collects it all into a speech right in the middle of uh, his gospel account. And at the end of that speech or, or sermon, Jesus decides to close with a prayer. And, and that is the entirety of John chapter 3. Seventeen, And so I just want to read this prayer this morning. So if you want to uh, grab a Bible somewhere near you, pull it up on your phone. The words are going to be up uh, on on the screen behind me uh, as well. But as we keep referring back to it and stuff, and just because we're looking a big long chunk, it may be better or easier to grab a Bible, uh, dig in. We are in John chapter 17. This is where Jesus prays. For his followers, and not just those who are gathered. In fact, he says in the prayer, I, I'm not just praying this for those who are here, but for anybody who would come after them, anybody who will follow me because of their teaching. In other words, us, you, you and me. That for those of us who have said we want to give our lives to Jesus, that we're so compelled by his story and his truth and his love and his forgiveness, we, we want to follow him. He said, this prayer is for you. So, if you are a Jesus follower, if you believe that he saved you, this prayer is for you. And if you're not a Jesus follower, if you just want to learn more about Jesus and Jesus' people, and you're kind of curious or you're just not sure what all of this is about, well, this prayer is a great place to learn about Jesus' heart for his people, Jesus' heart for everybody. This is his desire for each one of us. So let's dive in. John chapter 17. After saying all these things, this is speech, this sermon, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me, They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray they will all be one, Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. In this prayer of all the things that Jesus could desire for us, we see his greatest desire. Jesus's greatest desire for his followers is unity with God and each other. Jesus's greatest desire for his followers is unity with God and each other. Now he prays, I love that sound. Man, I miss, I don't, I don't miss it at two in the morning, but I, I love that sound. Anyway, that is, that's life, love it. Anyway, uh, Jesus prays for safety from the evil one, but he does not pray that they would be taken out of this world. He does not pray even that they would be safe from persecution in the world. If Jesus knows that persecution is coming, and I promise he, he knows He's been telling them all about it. He's been telling them that their life is going to be on the line because they will be hated by the world, as he prays here. that Because they're his followers, because they are trying to pattern their life after him and not the world, the persecution will come. and Their lives will be on the line. And if he knows this, shouldn't he be praying that they would be kept safe? Shouldn't he be praying for their courage, that they would stand strong in the face of all of that? If Jesus wants more and more people to follow him, shouldn't he be praying that they would feel loved and safe and comfortable so that more people would feel like they want to be on that journey with him? That's not what he prays for. He prays for unity with God and with each other. Now, he's also not praying for uniformity, and I know we've talked about this before, but but Jesus prays for unity, not uniformity, not that everybody would look and talk and act the same. In fact, a a different author named Luke records Jesus' last words to his disciples as being the exact opposite of uniformity, and and we find it in Acts chapter one, verse eight, uh, a little sneak preview of where we're going next week Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, there's that Spirit again, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If Jesus wanted to make it easy for his people to get along, if his priority is unity, his priority would be that everybody gets along with each other, which is how we think of unity, that that everybody would be really nice and kind to each other and kind of see everything the same way, and we'd agree on our perspective. Well, it would have been much simpler and easier for Jesus to simply claim that he was only here for the Jewish people. He's a Jewish guy. It's what other Jewish people expected, that the Messiah that he claimed to be was going to come for the Jewish people, to save the Jewish people. And if he come only for the Jewish people, then everybody would have the same worldview. They'd have the same background, the same history. And it would be so much simpler for them to be able to say, well, we, we're all coming from the same cultural place. We all kind of see things the same way. We've got the same stories that we heard growing up. Can't we all just get along? It'd be much, much simpler. But as Jesus knew, He was sending them out under threat of their own lives to share him, to reach people that they had nothing in common with. He prayed for unity. He said, you're going to be historically, culturally, politically, visibly different from the people that you're reaching out to, but you need to stick together. And this is not just a foundational element of the church. This is a foundational element of our faith. If it was this important to Jesus, if it was this important to Jesus, and Jesus is important to us, then unity needs to be as important to us as it is to Jesus. This is as foundational to a Jesus-centered life as prayer and scripture and worship. And yes, I thought about that long and hard before I said it out loud. This idea of unity, this pursuit of it, the prioritizing of it, unity is as important to our faith as worship and prayer and scripture because it's that important to our Savior. This is as important to a Jesus-centered life as numbers are to math and the alphabet is to English. It's that foundational. And before you roll your eyes and, and feel like this is just gonna be another talk about how we should all get along with each other better and be nicer to each other, and we're all gonna hold hands at the end and sing kumbaya, we're not, we're going to sing the Barney theme song. I love you, and you love me, and we're a happy family. And just kidding, we're not, we're not gonna do that, I promise. Would not, I would not do that to Jesse. Okay, i do some mean things, but not, not that. Before, uh, before you tune out and decide that this is gonna be soft and, and gushy, I, I, just, I want you to hear me say that, that to me, uh, this doesn't feel like a fair expectation for Jesus to have of us. This doesn't feel, I mean, Jesus knows how messed up and broken we are. Jesus knows that we are much happier talking about the messed up brokenness of those people over there than we are dealing with our own messed up brokenness. And yet I'm sure it is for those reasons that he prays that we would be united. And his prayer reveals the reasons why he believes this is possible and necessary and the truth that we need to recognize to be able to do this. So in, I guess, in honor of how foundational this is, here are the ABCs of unity. A is for authority, for the authority of Jesus, for the authority of Jesus. We are united and we stay united by putting ourselves under the authority of Jesus. Jesus prayed early on in this. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you for you have given him authority over everyone. In another place, another gospel writer Matthew records Jesus as saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Jesus must have the ultimate authority in our lives. Jesus must be the ultimate authority in our lives because all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He must have the ultimate authority for each one of us, and for us together. Not our favorite movie star or singer, not our favorite news anchor or politician, not our favorite Twitter follow or personality profile or preacher. Jesus must have the ultimate authority. His word, his call, his command, first and foremost and completely. And I know that's easy to say and hear in church, and it's harder on a Tuesday afternoon as you're scrolling through social media. Jesus must have the ultimate authority and the ultimate influence in our lives. A man named A.B. Simpson once wrote, Jesus only, Jesus ever. Jesus only, Jesus ever. It is and must be the rallying cry of every Christian community, Jesus only, Jesus ever. Not just Jesus when I agree with him or Jesus when he helps me be more of myself, whatever that means, or Jesus when he makes my life better, but Jesus is authority even when I disagree with him or don't like what he says. That when we disagree with each other, when we see things differently, when we need to challenge each other, that we come together under the authority of Jesus. And we seek him together. We follow him together. We submit to his authority together. Even if we don't like it sometimes. Why? Because B is for belonging, B is for belonging, because we belong to God together. We belong to God together. Jesus prayed, all who are mine belong to you. They, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one If we dig even just barely below the surface of the significance of that last verse, <laughs> that's insane. It's cr- just, it's crazy. We, we are invited, we are wrapped into the oneness of God and Jesus. That as much as God loves Jesus, he loves you. That somehow we are miraculously made one with God through Jesus. We belong to God, our Heavenly Father, and God become man, Jesus Christ. We belong to him and not this world. We belong to him. Not the banners we hold over ourselves, not our political parties or the demographics we choose to identify ourselves with. I belong to him. You belong to him. We are united with him and by him. We belong to God under the authority of Jesus. And because we belong to him, we are responsible to and for each other. Because we belong to him together, we are responsible to and for each other to care for one another. To love and serve one another. And I don't just mean the people who gather in this room. Jesus' prayer was for all of his followers, for anybody who comes after Jesus, for anybody who is dedicating their lives to following him. Even if we radically disagree with the way they might do ministry or walk that out or some of their theology, we still at some point have to come together and say we belong to God together. Now, we can absolutely have discussions about whether they're submitting to the authority of Jesus. And where we are able, where we're able to have influence on the people around us and form relationships with people who disagree with us as we follow Jesus together, we absolutely need to have those discussions within our own church family and outside of it. That where we have influence over people who are going a different direction than we believe the authority of Jesus should lead them, who've given their lives to Jesus, we need to have those conversations. Where we don't have opportunity to influence, and so all we're doing is standing over here and complaining that that they're doing things differently than we would do them, we belong to Jesus together. And it is Jesus' desire for us that we would pursue unity because we belong to God together. Together. We come under the authority of Jesus together. We link arms with the people around us who say, yeah, I'm following Jesus too, and go, okay, well, he doesn't look like it to me, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the authority of Jesus calls us to do. Let's gather together and worship God together. Let's recognize that even on the things we disagree on, we belong to Jesus together. And we are on mission together. We are living this life together. C is for commission. And I don't mean like a sales commission like when you sell a car. I mean commission in the old churchy word, like the, the great commission, like being sent out, being commissioned to go. Like Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me so Go and make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Like Jesus saying, you will receive power when you receive my spirit. And then you will go be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We go together. We are on mission together. Even, so even when we are not gathered here together, when we are out in our community, separated from one another, when we go off into our separate workplaces and homes and neighborhoods, we are still on mission together. To help paint a picture of this, I want to use a football analogy, and I really do try to stay away from sports analogies because I know not everybody's into them, and I would use one like every week if I didn't try to stay away from them. So I... Bear with me for this one, and you don't even really need to know a lot about football to get this one. You just need to know that some of the football guys are blocking the other guys, okay? They're just trying to get in their way. That's all you need to know, okay? Oh, and you need to know that they kind of stand in a line to do it, okay? That, that's it. All right. <laughs> okay. So, are there questions in the back? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not answering football questions right now. Uh, so. As these, uh, these gentlemen, who aren't feeling very gentlemanly, stand in a line and try to block the people who are coming at them, the guy at this end of the line, his job is to block this person who is coming at him. Not, not any of those people over there. His job is, is this one right here. And while he's engaged in what he's supposed to do over here, he can't see what the guy on the other end of the line is doing he has to assume in what he's doing that that guy over there, his teammate over there is doing his job. And in fact, because he assumes that that guy is doing his job, he knows he needs to do his. Okay. Because if that guy down there does his job and he doesn't do his, Well, now they as a team are not moving down the field together. They're not accomplishing the goals they have together. They're they're not making the impact that they want to have. They're not winning the things that they are supposed to win together. When we are out in the community, we have gathered. We've said we belong to God together. We are coming under the authority of Jesus together. And part of that authority is Jesus said, go go and be my witnesses, go and make disciples, as we go out to be witnesses, to shine light in the dark places of our community, the places where God has called us, where Jesus has commissioned you to be light in that particular dark place, in that particular issue, that particular neighborhood, that particular relationship. When we go out separated, I cannot see what you are doing. I don't know if you're shining light. You don't know if I am. But I need to go out and do my job. Shine the light in the places God has called me to do it. Be on the mission that God has called me to so that I can support the fact that you're doing that over there. As we seek together to take the light of Jesus, to be his witness in our community together, to watch the people of our community learn that they are loved by God, they can belong to him, and they can come under his authority, and that that life is good that grace and forgiveness and hope and joy are found in him and it is good. I need to do my job because I'm trusting that you're doing yours. And I don't want to let you down. If, if you're working to spread light over here and I'm, I, you're not called over there, this is your place that God has called you to be. And I, I need you to do your job over here. Commissioned by Jesus to love and care and serve and sacrifice as he did in these relationships and these places, and I need to do mine over here. We are on mission together. The mission that Jesus has for this community, the mission that Jesus has for this world. That wherever we are called to go, whoever we are called to love, across the world, across the street, across divisions, across the dining room table. We are in places where Jesus has commissioned us, sent us from this place of belonging to him, coming under his authority to love and serve and be a witness to who he is and to his desires for the world. Another way of thinking about our mission, about why we do this, about why it would be so important to belong to God, to find our identity in him, to to let him transform our lives so that it is clear, not, not just that we've got some behavior change or that I think differently, but that my life is transformed by God and yours could be too. Jesus says that we are sent out to bring glory to God. That's why he was sent. He says, I, I, I am sending you. He says, just he's, in his prayer, he says, Father, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth, made holy, like be, be set apart where we don't look like the rest of the world, where something in us has been transformed. Why do we do that? Back to the very beginning of his prayer, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Later, he says that we belong to God. He says, all who are mine belong to you and you have been given to me, so they bring me glory. Glory. We come together to give God glory, give God glory. Now, uh, a thought has been rattling around in my brain for the last couple of weeks, and so I'm gonna uh, give Sky credit for this, so if it's heretical, you can blame him. Um, just kidding. Uh, this, uh, this has changed the way that I think about this word glory um, in, I think, really powerful ways. We're gonna dig more into this uh, next week. As we talked about this and why we're sent out and, and the glory to God that we are called to give, Sky pointed out that we cannot make God more than who he is. We, we can't somehow make him bigger or more important. That, that if God is all powerful and all knowing, if God is everywhere, We can't somehow make him bigger. We can't glorify him or or lift him up in some way that makes him more important or larger. God is all of that already. That when we're giving glory to God, what we are doing is we are revealing who God already is. That we come together in unity, belonging to God and submitting to the authority of Jesus to be sent out to give God glory, to reveal him to the world and to reveal him to each other. That we glorify God by submitting ourselves together to the authority of Jesus, by recognizing that we belong to God together, even when there are massive disagreements. We belong together. We submit together. We go out on mission together. And in doing so, in recognizing this foundational truth of unity and how it changes, how we submit, how we connect, how we belong, how we serve, how we go on mission together, we are revealing who God is to each other and to the world. And we'll pick it up there next week. Will you pray with me? Father God, I do thank you that you have revealed yourself through Jesus. That you have shown us your love. You have shown us what's expected of us. God, there are so many things that we would like to raise up over ourselves as our identity and our banner to say this is who I am and this is what I believe and everybody who, who agrees with me, get in line with me and we're gonna go. God, would you humble us? Whatever that takes. God, would you, would you remind us that our identity is found in you? somehow, miraculously, you have made us one with you through Jesus. And because of that, we submit to your authority. We submit to the mission you have put us on. To shine light in dark places. To not shrink back. God, would you help me to not shrink back? Because I know that my brothers and sisters are shining a light in the places you've called them. God, would you somehow work in us and through us so that you would be revealed, so you would be glorified, so that we might remind each other that you're good, remind each other of your love and grace, and then we could introduce the people around us to you, to your love and grace for them. You shine through us. Shine in the dark places in us that make us hold back. Bring, bring things out of the shadows. And would you shine through us in the world around us? That is Jesus prayed, that the world would know that you sent him and that he reveals you and your love to us. pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.